Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It's Friday. Are going to any of the ending weekly or any of the new news that's gonna gestate and go ahead and call call our man here that we can touch. Hello. We need a couple minutes here. All right. Good, good morning. <laughs> no stories. That's fine. You have your time. All right, man. This is the best kind because I have no stories ready. <laughs> that way I'm ready for anything. That's just a really long article. We'll find a shorter one. Okay. All right. Today on Before Coffee, students students occupy schools and universities across Europe in climate protest. Judge Clarence Thomas has a billionaire pay for his nephew's tuition. British Airways owner raises profit forecast as travel demand rebounds. Jury convict four leaders of Proud Boys of seditious conspiracy related to U.S. Capitol breach. Belgian police arrest seven people over terror attack. And then I'm the United States economic news. We'll cover that today on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. All right, let's go into my first news story here about climate protesting. A wave of student occupations that shut down schools and universities across Europe as part of a renewed youth protest campaign against inaction on climate breakdown. 22 schools and universities across the continent have been occupied as part of a proposed month-long campaign. In Germany, universities were occupied in Wolfenbüttel, Magdeburg, Munster, Bielefeld, Regensburg, Bremen, and Berlin. In Spain, students in occupation of the Autonomous University of Barcelona organized teach-outs on the climate crisis. In Belgium, 40 students occupied the University of Ghent in Chet's Republic. 100 students camped outside the Ministry of Trade and Industry. In the UK, occupations were underway at the University of Leeds, Exeter, and Falmouth. The most radical actions were taken in place in Lisbon, Portugal, where youngest, uh, youngsters occupied seven schools and two universities. On Thursday, occupying pupils from pupils forced one high school to remain closed for a third day, while students at University of Lisbon faculties of humanities barricaded themselves in the dean's office. Young people also stopped traffic in the Portuguese capital with street blockades and solidarity with occupations. The radical actions come despite harsh responses from teachers at one school who called police to evict pupils who began occupations last week. Blockades and occupations are part of an extended campaign under the banner and Fossil Occupy, which aims to build on and escalate the youth climate strike movement that was previously at its strongest during the 2019's mass climate mobilizations. 
It is the second time the campaign has called for a wave of occupations, with 50 schools and universities occupied between September and December last year, including three that were violently evicted by riot police. Organizers claim that previous waves of protests spurred Barcelona's university to make a module on the climate and ecological emergency mandatory for all students. Uh, well, the problem is it's not the students who need to learn about it. It's the people who are like 80. They, they're the ones who need to learn about it, not the students. The students are very aware of what's going on here. Um, organizers want them to the, Sorry? We don't want them to learn that we're ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> Organizers hope the latest wave will recapture and recreate the radicalism of May 1968 when anti-imperialist protests by university students in Paris were joined by striking workers and precipitated a wave of revolt across the continent. We start we start as students occupying schools and universities, but we need all of society to take radical action with us to end fossil fuels. The campaign said, Only with a mass movement that involves all of society taking responsibility to stop the fossil fuel era can we truly change the system. Anyone from any part of the world who wants to organize local school or university occupations is very welcome to do so, as long as they agree to participate to achieve our core demand and follow our three principles, youth-led occupation, climate justice framework, and for the demands, and occupy until you win. Uh, I find it really interesting that Amsterdam University isn't doing this because when I was a when I was attending Amsterdam University, there's probably a protest every three months where they occupied one of the many buildings that are under the right. University of Amsterdam umbrella. Maybe it's because yesterday was Memorial Day, so everyone yeah. had the day off, and so there was. I have no idea. Yeah. Fun fact. Anyways. <laughs> On to your story. All right. Peacetime protests are actually kind of fun. A Republican mega donor, this is from AP. Um, a Republican mega donor paid two years of private school tuition for a child raised by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who did not disclose the payments. A lawyer who has represented Thomas said, and his wife acknowledged Thursday. The revelation of tuition payments made by Dallas billionaire Harlan Crow is the latest example of Crow's generosity to Thomas and his family that has raised questions about Thomas' ethics and disclosure requirements more generally. The payments, along with the earlier examples of Crow's financial ties to Thomas, were first reported by the nonprofit investigative journalism site ProPublica. ProPublica reported Thursday that Crow paid tuition at for Thomas's great nephew Mark Martin. Thomas and his wife Virginia raised Martin from age six. So his parents sucked. I don't know. Over the past month, <laughs> ProPublica has reported other stories about luxury vacations paid by Crow, as well as conservative justice took as well. Crow's purchase of the property for Thomas's family, neither of which were disclosed. Democrats have used the revelations to call for stronger ethics rules in the Supreme Court, or any ethics rules from the Supreme Court, how about that? And Democrat, Democratic Party controls. This guy, I can't speak English. He has to use this stupid shorthand nonsense that Republicans use. Senate held a hearing on ethics issues for this week. Republic, 
Republics have defended Thomas. I'm going to shorten their name too. Mm -hmm. So he shortens it. Mark. The Republicans defended Thomas. According to the Pope story, Crow paid tuition for Martin in a military boarding school in Virginia. Randolph Macon Academy, as well as Hidden Lake Academy. Thomas did not respond to questions. Crow's office responded in a statement to questions, but did not address the questions about how the how much he paid in full for Martin's tuition. He did say that Thomas had not requested the support for either school. Uh, that is irrelevant. He's taking shit from you for free and he's not reporting it, which is against the law. I don't care where you work. A Supreme Court spokesman did not immediately respond to an email from the Associated Press about whether Thomas would have responded to the story. On Twitter, however, lawyer Mark Paoletta defended Thomas in the extent Paoletta, longtime friend of Thomas, called the story another attempt to manufacture a scandal about my friend. The perfect excuse for a friend, an angel from heaven, gift from God, guy who's never done anything wrong. He's so perfect in every day. Clarence Thomas, we love him so much. <laughs> I kind of realized that one because it's got some shit. They all uh, said in a statement that Crow had recommended that Thomas consider Randolph Mason Academy, which Crow had attended, and then offered to pay for Martin's first year there for in 2006, a payment that went directly to the school. School recommended Martin spend a year at Hidden Lake Academy. And to pay for that year, a payment that also went directly to this. Wow, it must be nice to have friends. Oh, so, just so generous and all. Nothing to return ever. To respond to the story, lawmakers in Congress were again divided by the party. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, who is basically a who attempt person, a basically a fascist who wants to overthrow our government, said something to the effect of Just the latest installment of the last multi-decade campaign to target Justice Thomas. Well, maybe other any other justices that are taking these bribes, and we'll we'll talk about it, okay? We'll talk about it. Maybe one other one that's doing it. Well, hey, they're all doing it. All the Republicans are. Never mind. All the conservative judges are just taking bribe. So I guess it's okay. That makes it okay. Makes it okay, guys. This is a foul breach of ethics standards, which are already too far low when it comes to the Supreme Court. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon said. Democratic Senator Dick Durbin. Oh, now he's calling him Democratic Senator. Man, there you go. You're getting it right. Thank you. Some great writing here. Democratic Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, urged Roberts to take note. I hope that Chief Justice Roberts reads this story this morning and understands something has to be done. The reputation of the Supreme Court is at stake here and the credibility of the court when it comes to future decisions is at stake, Dick Durbin said in the understatement. This is a video journalist, Rick Gentillo, who has trouble understanding that there's no such thing as the Democrat Party. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a story from AP, poorly written by that guy. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 
It's actual facts, and they're not. I think during anyway. the during the week we talked about, or was it last week we talked about how Ryanair has been making much a bunch of money, and his flights are starting again after the pandemic, and uh, we have the same thing happening here with British Airways. The owner's, owner of British Airways has upgraded its full-year profit expectations thanks to a strong demand for holiday travel. As the airline group said it could expect a fly almost the same number of passengers this year as it did before the coronavirus pandemic. International Airlines Group IAG reported first quarter profit for the first time since 2019 before the travel industry was plunged into chaos by the COVID lockdowns. It made an operating profit of $9 million in the first three months of the year. IAG's share price rose 3.6% on Friday morning. Since the end of the most global travel restrictions, since the end of most global travel restriction airlines have been racing to restart routes. Demands for, demands for holidays in particular soaring, its business travels also recovering, albeit a bit more slowly. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of business people also really like working remotely and they kind of want to stay there. <laughs> Because they're like, wait a minute, uh-huh. we've evolved into using the internet to communicate. Why the hell do I have to travel physically to go talk to you? <laughs> wait a minute, we don't need to do that to get our work done. So I think that's probably why business travel is slower to rise. Because maybe also a lot of people don't want to pay for first class or business seats anymore. Just get on Zoom. Um, British Airways has... Sorry? First class in American Airlines is an absolute joke anyway. The upgrade needs a really see almost nothing. You use a bigger seat. Yeah. I get, leg get room. There at the same time. Yeah. How much yeah, will you leg pay room. for legroom? Not that much. British not, Airways not was benefiting from strong demand for leisure travel on long and short haul routes, the group said. IG was also owns the Spanish flag carrier Iberia and the budget airline Vueling said it's expected capacity this year to be about 97% of 2019 levels. That means its operating profit for the full year will probably be higher than the $2.3 billion it previously predicted. On Friday, it cautioned that it still face uncertainties over the coming fuel, or coming year. Fuel prices in the particular could be affected by ongoing vial- volatility- vo- wait- Oh, I can't say that word now. In the geopolitical and microeconomic environment. Utility. Um, after a year when energy markets have been ro- roiled by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, economics, economi- economists are watching the world's largest economies closely for signs of recession as the Federal Reserve and other central banks raise interest rates to try to bring down inflation. As we talked about yesterday, about interest rates and how they don't do anything but there's a concern for BA in particular over the impact of strikes at Heathrow. Security staff oh yeah we also talked about the strike at Heathrow security staff at the airport were on their second day of a three day strike this week on Friday with further five days planned this month. IG said it had limited visibility of custom bookings for second half of the year when it will be hoping to avoid a repeat of the chaos of the summer of 2022, when airlines were forced to limit traffic as the UK's largest airport strained with high passenger numbers. Louis Gallego, IAG's chief executive, said IAG has delivered a strong first quarter financial performance as group airlines recovered capacity close to pre-pandemic levels. Iberia contributed a record first quarter profit and all airlines performed above expectations, benefiting from robust demand and lower fuel price in quarter. We are seeing healthy 
We are seeing healthy forward bookings with leisure demand and percolate strong, while business travel continues to recover more slowly. That is our article on British Airways here on The Guardian by Jasper Jolly. Okay, I'm sure on to your story. I'm sure they'll find a way to pass it all on to working people. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure those uh, security guards will get a cut. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. And all the working people will be like, well, thank God somebody else got some rights somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like... You gotta, you gotta basically fight for every nickel these days. Like, even though rich people just go, yeah, we got it all just rolling in. We don't care. But we're gonna make fight for every nickel. <laughs> you got a nickel. You want to, who's this nickel? Right. Jury convicts four leaders of Proud Boys. This is from the United States Department of Justice website. So we mess with no reporters. We're messing with the source. A jury in the District of Columbia today returned guilty verdicts on the multiple felonies against five members of the Proud Boys, finding four of the defendants guilty of seditious conspiracy for their actions before and during the breach of U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. According to the evidence of the trial in the months leading up to January 6, the, the defendants plotted to oppose by force the lawful transfer of presidential power to prevent members of Congress and the federal law enforcement officers who protected them from discharging their duties. Henry Enrique Shitbrains Tario, 39, of Miami, the former national chairman of the Proud Boys, and Ethan Nordine Loser, 32, of Auburn, Washington, Joseph Biggs, Third Breath, 39 of Ormond Beach, Florida, and Zachary Real, another brains for shit of <laughs> brains for shit of Philadelphia. It's, not, it's the same as shit for brains, right? So shit for <laughs> brains. Put out your brains, all okay? Okay. Today, the Justice Department. Today, Justice Department secured the conviction of four leaders of the Proud Boys for seditious conspiracy related to the January 6th attack to the Capitol, said Attorney General Merrick B. Garland. In addition, these defendants and a fifth member of the Proud Boys are all convicted of felonies, including obstruction of Congress with certification of the 2020 presidential election results, conspiring to prevent Congress and federal officers from discharging their duties. The evidence presented at the trial detailed the extent of the violence at Capitol on January 6th and the essential role these defendants played in setting into motion the unlawful events of that day. The department has secured more than 600 convictions for a wide range of criminal conduct on January 6th as well as the days and weeks leading up to the attack. My favorite people are the people that are still in hiding. Those are my favorite people. I think they're not going to get caught even though there's video evidence and there's people they end up they end up charging this is great because they've ended up charging one of these guys who said he wasn't there i wasn't there i wasn't there i saw you know i'm, I'm just editorializing yeah. now but uh somebody and they crowdsourced they, they've been crowdsourcing this all along trying to find if anybody knows these people and somebody through crowdsourcing identified this guy he did not know they had that video evidence so they showed it in court of him actually being there I, you know and, and Amy is, uh, what is it, his bear spray gun at a cop. They have video evidence of it. And he's like, oh shit, I guess it is me. <laughs> I don't think so. In the 27 months, 
Unit, this is the last part of the story. The FBI Washington field office investigated the case. The charges in the investigation are a result of significant cooperation between the agency staff across numerous FBI field offices and law enforcement agencies. The U.S. Attorney Office for the District of Columbia, the Justice Department's National Security Division, Counterintelligence Section, and the Criminal Divisions of the Organized Crime and Gang Section prosecuted the case. In the 27 months, since January 6, 2021, more than 1,000 individuals have been arrested in nearly 50 states for crimes related to the breach of U.S. Capitol, including more than 320 individuals charged with assaulting and pending law enforcement. The investigation remains ongoing. Anyone with tips can call 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 800-225-5324. Or visit pips.fbi.gov. That's tipfbi.gov. And that phone number again is... 1-800-225-5324. Turn in a scumbag today. Your story. I love turning in scumbags, or do I? Uh, either way, no. it's time for... Who kill people for stupid reasons. Yeah, I would. All right. No doubt. <laughs> if you're my name, you're in trouble, buddy. Well, you did... better keep hiding yeah. Speaking of uh, plots, uh, Belgian police arrest seven people over terror attack plot. Belgian, uh, they've suspected supporting the Islamic State, IS, implying a terrorist attack, prosecutors have said. Almost all the suspects are ethnic Chechens and three possess Belgian nationality, prosecutors said in a statement. They said the exact target of the planned attack has not been determined. Police raided nine addresses in several towns in western Belgium in an operation led by an investigating judge specializing in terrorism cases. The judge will decide at a larger stage, at a later stage, if there's sufficient evidence to charge the suspects, the statement said. Possible charges are attempting terrorist attack, terrorist assassination, participation in the activities of a terrorist group, and the preparation of a terrorist attack. Prosecutors added that all seven are suspected of preparing a terrorist attack in Belgium. They all belong to a group of the strongest supporters of IS. Eric Von, Von Daus, a spokesperson for the Federal Prosecutor's Office, office said they apparently intended to target an institution located in Belgium and ha- had been actively searching for weapons. The police raids took place in the city of Ghent, the smaller towns of Roselaer, Menen, Ostend, and Weifelchem. IS claimed responsibility for suicide bombings in Belgium on 22 March 2016 that targeted Brussels airports and Melbake metro station, killing 32 people and wounding hundreds. Those bombings occurred months after November 2015 attacks in Paris, which were planned by the same IS cell and killed 130 people. Was that the one with... No, that wasn't the one with Nice. I think that was a different one. Chechnya, a republic in Russia's North Caucasus region, has a predominantly Muslim population. It is ruled by pro-Kremlin leader Ramzan Kadyrov, who supports Vladimir Putin and the war in Ukraine, and has sent his militia there to fight. So, I think that the arguing here is that the Chechnyan Muslims from Russia have been used as tools to attack the West in terrorist attacks, but because they can't prove why, they just know what's happening, right? They just know they're getting attacked by Chechnyans, but they, they can't prove why they're getting attacked by... But I, I think you could definitely make a theory here, a conspiracy theory, that, you know, 
you can use terrorist attacks from a, what you would consider a totally unaffiliated group, right? Right. To cause problems and in the West while you're invading Ukraine. That's all I'm saying. Just a, just a theory. <laughs> well, there's, there, have they changed their story about drone attack the Kremlin? Have they, have they, uh, have they changed their theory? I just pointing fingers at. We know. Um, I do see a new story here that says the U.S. denies any involvement in the attack. Yeah. And then, so the, basically, I don't think they've. It's just showing here, from what I see, that nobody, nobody knows who's done it, right? Nobody. Everyone's. Moscow wants to blame everyone else, but nobody has any proof or like. Nobody's proved their innocence or proved their guilt, basically. There's no information here. There's just a, a freaking drone, right? And they want to blame a big person so they can make a big person involved. But there's no proof that a big person did anything, so it's probably a small person. Right. Well, they're gonna they're gonna use it as propaganda to tell you who did it without any investigation, just to make sure that you blame the right people. Oh, I'm sorry. Your story. I don't know if you're still going. Your story. I'm done. Oh, it's my a very story. short story about conspiracy theories there. This is from Lydia DeFillis of the New York Times. Forecasters expect April data to show continued slowdown hiring. Since it's May's, what they do is they take last month's data and extrapolate some information based on something that already happened, and they're usually wrong, but that's what I, that's why economics is not a science. It's just a bunch of people guessing and other people making money off of it. The Labor Department on Friday will release April an unemployment report, which is expected to show a continued slowdown of hiring as a pandemic area era growth sectors revert to normal levels of activity and interest rate increases take air out of business expansions. Well, that's that's more of an editorial uh, headline, kind of. But what the hell does normal mean? Forecasters, <laughs> et, forecasters estimated that the economy added 180,000 jobs last month would be a marked step down from the monthly average of 340,000 jobs in the first quarter. See, jobs, job, job growth is slowing, so they want to say that's some kind of good thing. But not yet the contraction that may predict, many predict for later fall. You mean the contraction that they're trying to cause with their interest rate raises. We expect more negative and profound effect of interest rates on the labor market in the second half of the year, said Frank Steamer's a senior economics at the Commerce Board, at least the start of the year, employment growth was much stronger than I expected. Well, we need to put those people out of work because we, the last thing we need is anybody getting ahead in this, this land. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Job creation has repeatedly exceeded projections over the past year, even in the face of Federal Reserve's effort to tamp down prices by making borrowing more expensive makes no sense. Just read that sentence one more time. Efforts to tamp down prices by making borrowing more expensive. How does that tamp down prices? Yeah. It just makes money more expensive. That's all you're doing with interest rates. You're making money more expensive for poor people. You're not affecting prices. You're just throwing people out of work. 
At the same time, more Americans have been turning to the workforce and immigration has rebounded, making it slightly easier for employers to hire. Of course, child labor laws are being ignored too. So let's not even let's not even talk about that effect on wages being low. Child labor laws being ignored in, in favor of low wages. If a wider economic downturn sets in, the job reductions will probably look different than they have in previous recessions. Huh? But industries like the information sector, which hired rapidly in 2021 and 2022, the served population that became more reliant on tech during the pandemic lockdowns and shift to remote shift to, to remote work, could make even deeper cuts. So, their economics report that we're messing with the economy for no good reason other than we want to make more money of other people having money. And we're rich bankers, then we can do that because we control all the money. So we get the Federal Reserve at the top saying, hey, let's make money worth, let's make money worth less. Let's cause more inflation for these poor people by, by raising interest rates on their loans and their credit cards. And their small amount of money they spend each month will stop stimulating the economy, throw people out of work, interest rates go up. And everybody rich makes more money every month, every day, every second that you're out there struggling. Your story. Uh, well, speaking of struggling, I know we've been hating on rich people all uh, this with this week. But uh, <laughs> also, let's talk about Ed Sheeran, who is... I don't know if he's rich per se, because you never really know how wealthy musicians are. Because a lot of that stuff is like, okay, we're gonna take 10% because we signed you on or whatever, so. But he's definitely wealthy, Richard, he's definitely yeah. well off, he's not gonna be in the streets anytime soon. Um, but not I think vegan. those kind of rich people are okay because they help spread art, which is actually useful for your mental health, unlike going to space to Mars. That's not useful <laughs> to anybody at all. So. I won't be grudged. Won't begrudge them because there's some rich suit making five times what he's making. Exactly. You think they want us to be angry at the, the the middle rich people when we should be really angry at the billionaires? Okay, don't. Ed Sheeran did nothing wrong. He's just as much of a tool as the rest of us. <laughs> he's up there, he's up there putting his ass on, physically putting his ass on a line. Right? Yeah, it's actually, like, because we're going to be talking about his copyright infringement trial in which he fought allegations okay. that the British singer cribbed from Marvin Gaye's 1973 song Let's Get It On for his 2014 hit Thinking Out Loud, which was awarded a Grammy for a song of the year in 2016. Now, we did previously talk about this trial, but now the trial is actually finished. Um, the suit was originally filed in 2017, was brought by the descendants of Gay's co-writer Ed Townsend. The three plaintiffs alleged that Sheeran and co-writer Amy Wadge stole the heart of the soul classic by using melodic, harmonic, and rhythmic compositions that are substantially or strikingly similar to the drum composition of the song. Gay died in 1984. Townsend died in 2003. Two-week trial in New York offered moments of levity as well as frustrations for the megastar, who is one of the most streamed artists of the 2010s. Another Sheeran hit, Shape Review, itself focuses of a UK copyright law that he won with Spotify's most streamed track of the decade. Sheeran pulled out a guitar several times, appeared to threaten the, to, to the end of his career if he lost, and expressed disdain for the case. As one entertainment lawyer put it, The Guardian had a, had a whiff of the US Liberty lawsuit about it. 
Here come some key moments from the trial. Now, I do think that is interesting that he threatened, I'm gonna end my career if I get guilty for this. Because in a way, how can you continue creating music and writing songs if at any moment somebody will be like, hey, that sounds like my dead relative song. Can you give me a billion dollars, please? And then he's like, huh? <laughs> like you're all being in under scrutiny every few seconds uh, definitely would also want me to quit doing it. Um, she, a court concert. Sheeran's defense rested on the ubiquity of certain musical standards and chord progressions, which are not owned by a single artist. In the early days of the trial, the plaintiff's lawyer, Ben Crump, played a video of Sheeran transitioning seamlessly between Thing Out Loud and Let's Get It On during a concert in Zurich, arguing that it amounted to a confession. Most pop songs get voted over most pop songs. If I had done what you're accusing me of doing, I'd be quite an idiot to stand on stage in front of 20,000 people and do that, Sheeran replied. Yeah, everyone knows the four, right. co- four chords joke. It's been like an actual thing people do on every music-based comedy show ever. Of all time. Yeah. Everyone knows it's, the four chords joke. His musical director said, Hey, what other songs in the same key we can transition to? It's kind of the same tempo. How about let's get it on? All right. <laughs> plagiarism. Yeah, I mean... A day later, he offered a demonstration occupied accompanied by his usual acoustic guitar. In over an hour of testimony, Sharon explained how he wrote Thinking Out Loud with his friend and co-writer Watch at his home in England in 2014. I draw inspiration from a lot of things in my life and family, he said, explaining how the song was inspired by the love he witnessed between his grandparents. Sharon demonstrated how his original line, Sing It Out Now, morphed into the song's eventual title, When I Write Vocal Melodies, It's Like Phonetics, he said. He then picked up a guitar from behind the witness stand, played the chord progression of the song, and sang the opening line, when your legs don't work like they used to before. A lesson on chord progressions. Later in the trial, Chiran performed another mini-concert, using his guitar to demonstrate how a common chord progression could allow him to transition easily between Thinking Out Loud, Let's Get It On, and many other popular songs. Chiran played a mashup of his music, as well as hits from Van Morrison, Blackstreet, Nina Simone, Bill Withers, and evidence that songs with similar structures can be easily, seamlessly blended together. Asked about the combinations by his lawyer, Elaine Farkas, Sheeran said he used mashups to spice it up a bit during concerts, generally choosing songs that build on a similar chord. If it's a love song, you might mash it up with another love song, he said, suggesting that Elvis Presley's versions of Can't Help Fall In Love With You or Whitney Houston's rendition of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You would also mix well together with Thinking Out Loud. Sheeran threatens to quit music if found guilty. The singer's cheerful concert demeanor soured on Monday when asked by Farkas, his lawyer, on what would happen if the plaintiffs won ownership over the court progression at the of question. If that happens, I'm done. I'm stopping, he answered. I find it really insulting to work my whole life as a singer-songwriter and diminish it. So just copying some dead guy. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Sheeran's legal team argued in court that his hip ballad and gaze tune share versions of similar and unpredictable chord progressions that was freely available to all songwriters. Yeah, you can't decide. You know what? You're not allowed to you use AFG anymore in songs. Those belong to us. <laughs> I don't even know if the, those are the right chords, but it doesn't matter what the chords are. You can't tell people you're not allowed to use the D-sharp chord anymore because it, it belongs to the gay estate. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's just so funny. Like, people don't understand music at all. It's like what you were talking about yesterday with finances, right? People don't understand how money works. People don't understand how music works. 
Well, you got the literate jury, and probably all they got is fans, right? Hey, we're going to the con. con I mean, the trial. <laughs> he took requests. Jiren said in court that he'd receive encouragement from other songwriters worried about the trial's implications for future litigation over their work. No names were offered, but musicians said others were cheering him on. When you write songs, somebody comes after you, he said. A different verdict could have been, would have been a problem for Sherm, whose new album, Subtract, comes out on Friday, the day before he's scheduled to kick off the North American tour in Arlington, Texas. Plaintiff collapses. Sharon's first day of testimony was temporarily halted due to a medical emergency on behalf of one of the plaintiffs. Catherine Townsend Griffin, the daughter of Gay's late co-writer Ed Townsend, collapsed and had to be carried out of court on a stretcher during the defense cross-examination of a music expert brought in to testify for the similarity between the two songs. According to CNN, Townsend's Griffin, wearing a beige coat and blazoned with the word dignity on the back, collapsed after her knees buckled and eyes closed, leading representatives from both legal teams to assist her amid shouts to call 911. She was moved from court on a stretcher and taken to a nearby hospital for what her lawyer later said was pre-existing medical condition. Although, altogether, court proceedings were halted for 15 minutes. AI singing! Earlier that day, said expert musicologist Alexander Stewart, Drew stifled laughs from several in the courtroom when he played an AI rendition of Let's Get It On to demonstrate the two song similarities. If one removed the groove and other production elements from the track, Ed Sheeran reportedly smiled at the computer voice saying Gay's essential lyrics as part of a legal strategy. He didn't have much respect for Stewart on it or his argument, however. During his testimony, the singer argued that Stewart misrepresented and altered his song. If I can be honest, he said during cross-examination by one of the plaintiff's attorneys, Patrick Frank, I think what he's doing is criminal. One of the several headlines from the two-week trial concerned what was happen happening from far from a courtroom. Sharon's grandmother, funeral. At the premiere of his new Disney Plus mm. docuseries, Ed Sheeran, The Sum of It All, in New York on Tuesday, Sheeran revealed that his grandmother was laid to rest in Ireland while he was required to be in New York for the trial. Asked by CBS anchor Gail King about his busy week, Sheeran answered, I've got the documentary coming out tomorrow. I've got the album coming out on Friday. I start my tour on Saturday. My grandmother's funeral tomorrow. I'm still in this court case. So, that, sadly, he had to miss his grandmother's funeral because, of course, if he took a plane, they would consider him running away from the trial. So, <laughs> he couldn't leave. Um, but he did but get cleared. He's, he's found non-guilty, not guilty. So, uh, hopefully this will stop the, uh, well, the Marvin Gaye family from constantly trying to get copyright infringement uh, money. Money. Let's from just call artists. money grubber. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. I don't saying, ever like... want to work. In other words, they don't want to have to, ever have to work in their entire lives for something that they didn't do. Exactly. At all. Right? And nothing to do with it. In fact, the people who wrote the song probably plagiarized the melody someplace. Yeah. There's no really original melodies, you know? No. There's just keys sadder and happier than other keys. That's about it. This key's happy, that key's sad. Does that frequency trigger something in your mind? And you don't even realize it. Like I said, Why people are don't people know anything about music theory. Yeah. Just, we the jury find the defendant dreamy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what? 
We're going to give you all of his profits because you did it. You you deserve it because you sued him. Yeah, that's fair. Silly, silly people trying to make money for recording music. Have any rappers been in court for this recently? Because they just, I mean, they, I guess they give credit when they sample music, but I guess they didn't used to, for sure. Charles, okay, this date in history. Enough of that. Day in history. In 1640, King Charles I of England dissolved the short parliament, the first parliament to be summoned in 11 years. Fun fact, the only reason most of us are here, most of us white folks are here, is because Charles I dissolved parliament in 1629, or four, yeah, 1629, triggered a mass immigration because... Parliament was the only thing protecting minority religions in England, and you were either a Catholic and subjugated, or a Protestant and subjugated, and everybody else was either just non persona non grata. You had most of the Puritans left in 1630 or so with the Winthrop fleet, and they just continued to leave, leave until 1640, one of the biggest European mass migrations. At the beginning of the French Revolution in 1789, this date, the Estates General met for the first time since 1614 at Versailles to debate the role of the Third Estate. I don't know what any of that means. 1809, for her technique of weaving straw with silk, Mary Kreese became the first woman to receive a U.S. patent. In 1830, 1813, Danish religious philosopher Soren Kierkegaard regarded his regarded as the founder of existentialist philosophy was born in Copenhagen and stayed in 1813. In 1864, forces commanded by generals Ulysses S. Grant of the Union and Robert E. Lee of the Confederacy gauged the Battle of Fredericksburg, Virginia during the American Civil War. Fredericksburg, Virginia, just right on down the road across the Potomac River here. Yeah. And way up in the mountains. In 1904, American baseball pitcher Cy Young registered the first perfect game. In 1904, in this day, in Cinco de Mayo, 27, English author Virginia Woolf published To the Lighthouse, one of the most successful and accessible experiments of stream of consciousness style. In 1945, U.S. soldiers and renegade German troops turned back a Waffen SS assault on the stronghold in Tyrol, Austria, where French prisoners were being held by the Nazis, known as the Battle of Castle Itter. It is thought to be the only time that the Americans and the Germans fought as allies during World War II. In 1945 also, while on a picnic in Gerhardt Mountain, Oregon, six people were killed by a Japanese balloon bomb exploded. They were the only deaths by enemy action to occur in the continental United States during World War II. So the Japanese did send a balloon that exploded in World War II. Keep that in mind. Remember the Chinese balloons? Remember that? We thought that was just harmless. No, we didn't. Yeah, right. We thought it was sinister and dangerous and look we've had a balloon attack in our history man it's creepy in 1960 soviet premier nikita khrushchev told the soviet supreme soviet of the ussr that a u.s biplane piloted by francis gary powers had been shut down may 1st over soviet union khrushchev returned 
referred to the flight as an aggressive act in the United States. In 1961, Alan Shepard made a 15-minute suborbital flight, Freedom 7 spacecraft, becoming the first U.S. astronaut to travel in space. So Alan Shepard rose the space barrier for the United States on this day, 1961. 1973, American Racehorse Secretariat won a Triple Crown and route to capturing the U.S. Triple Crown. Uh, won, won the Kentucky Derby, sorry, won the Kentucky Derby en route to capturing the U.S. Triple Crown, which also included the Preakness Stakes and Belmont State. Secretary didn't just win those races. Secretary was, Secretary destroyed in those races. That's why Secretary is considered the best, uh, best race horse ever because of the distance that she won, or he won by. He. 1981, Bobby Sands, an officer of the Irish Republican Army, died during a hunger strike while in prison. 1988, this makes me feel old. 1988, English pop star, songwriter Adele was born. Sheesh. Damn. Man, I'm old. That's one. And she's already considered old. Is she? I don't consider her old. <laughs> right? well, I'm just saying, by society's like, oh, she's 40 now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, gross. American publisher Clifton Keith Hillgrass, the creator of the popular series of literary study guides, was born. Oh, he died, sorry. The guy who invented Cliff Notes, who got everybody through college. So thank Clifton Keith Hillgrass, who died in the day in 2001. Other famous birthdays Karl Marx. Birthday, he was born in 1818. Tyrone Power, American actor, was born in 1914. Tammy Wynette was born in this day in 1942. We already mentioned Adele. And also born on this day, well, we did Karl Marx. The Mexican victory in the Battle of Puebla. Did you ever know what Cinco de Mayo was? A lot of people don't know. Yeah, they think it's just well, a day to appropriate Mexican culture and wear sombreros and shake maracas uh, and pretend to be a mariachi band. That's all they think it is. And get drunk, of course. Don't forget and get drunk. Yeah, it's it's America's May Get Drunk Day. Yeah. We have a, we have one for every every month. Last month was uh, what the hell was it last month? I guess we don't have one last month. I guess April Fool's Day. In March it's uh, St. Patrick's Day. So it's a non-holiday where people get drunk, basically, is what it is. And this year it's on a Friday. On this day in 1862, Mexico repelled the French forces of Napoleon III. Battle of Puebla, a victory that became a symbol of resistance to foreign domination and is now celebrated as a national holiday and was basically proven that Napoleon III could not defeat anyone. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, oh, and also, what day is it today? Hello. It is International Midwife Day. So anybody that doesn't want to go all the way with a wife, you get a midwife. I, just kidding. <laughs> Midwives are people that deliver babies. It's word. It's World Portuguese Language Day today. It's National Chipotle, Totally Chipotle Day. It sounds like it was started by the restaurant chain. It's also National Hoagie Day, in case you don't want to just chow down on burritos and enchiladas and tostadas and everything else. The National Silence Day. Wait, the, wait, National Silence the Shame Day. Sil Do you have no, any idea what that means? National Silence the Shame Day. Well, that's what it is today, by the way. And it's also School Lunch Hero Day. 
Yeah, school lunches. Something that people go into debt for and then they take away your children for not being able to feed your children and then give them to a foster family and then give those that foster family money so that they can feed the, the children. Oh, why can't they just give the money to the you in the first place? Sorry. <laughs> Money, not like these people that are going out there getting high interest rates and sitting back and collecting it. They're actually working hard to sit back and collect your insurance rates and those big wealthy bankers. You silly people on it. Save a couple pennies, get a free meal. What the f you? Free meal. All right, this is enough editor. We're so hating on rich people this week. Uh, and this has been Allison from the Netherlands talking about how airways are getting back up there. So hurry up and, you know, buy a ticket for your holiday before the tickets are t- 10 times the price they're supposed to be to capitalize on the demand. Uh, go out there and participate in a uh, climate protest to help save the planet. And please don't do terrorism. That's not... Don't do terrorism, especially for the Russian state, okay? <laughs> Here's Roger. There's Roger hating on rich people. I'm not hating on rich people. I'm just telling you that money is not the goal in life. And if you think the money is the goal in life, you're going to be very unhappy. And if you're sitting there doing this, give me more, give me more, give me more, you're a pathetically unhappy person like Clarence Thomas, who's absolutely not into not interested in justice at all in this money uh, it's money right money spilling out of my mouth in, you know, like by accident accordion flip he's not interested in justice in the country he's interested in his own personal enrichment that's why he's not disclosing these things because if they were on the up and up he wouldn't be hiding them would he why is he hiding them is he stupid he doesn't know He's a Supreme Court Justice! He's going to the finest schools in country! He's top of his class, probably. Who knows? He's not struggling. He's dishonest! That's it for May 5th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons. Follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.